We're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 to 9 this morning. But before we read God's Word, I want to remind you of the last time we got around this passage. And I'm going to quote you the words that I gave you. I said this to you. People here at Wanganese Baptist Church, what are your priorities as you start the new year? Will you bring every aspect of your life into subjection to Jesus Christ, your Lord? Perhaps there's some area that you will once again deliberately overlook with, to quote from Haggai, the time has not yet come, or later, because maybe there's some pet sin you would rather hang on to for now. God is not satisfied with slipshod spirituality. He wants full devotion, total worship. God is either glorified or not glorified. Now let's look at what God says in the second part of this important book of encouragement, this prophecy of encouragement to His people Israel. So remember they were in, at this stage they're still in um, captivity, and they've been released to go back with permission from the Persian king Darius to go back to Jerusalem and to start rebuilding their temple. Chapter 2, verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. If there's one phrase that you can pick up on, it's the speaker of that prophecy. Who is it? What was the phrase you saw repeated? Declares the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. All right, we'll come to that. Well, we're now one month into 2022. Has anything changed? I said last time a ship goes off course in increments of degrees, not in sudden movements. But a change in direction needs deliberate action. So you started 2022 and I did, 
full steam, but maybe things are already starting to waver. In your personal life, you've started off with great gusto, you want to get your personal life with the Lord right, and so you've started your daily readings, you've started praying, and then slowly things have been slipping again, and motivation is weakening. You had all those wrong habits that we had to uproot, and I've been working on some of those. And some good habits that we had to learn, to cultivate. Maybe in the church life, we see attendance up and down because some people are getting used to not coming to church because you can listen to it online or it's holidays. Or we're thinking, are we going to have another year of separated meetings, of uncertainty? Or in our social lives, we see looming Omicron, and if you look at the map now, it's orange. It's coming. We are under red light settings, and, and then we look at the international news, and we see possible war in the Ukraine. Interest rates rising. You came here for encouragement, right? And soon, we human despondency starts to set in. And you start thinking, it's all too hard. I'm just going to carry on as usual. And we're only in January. You see, the remnant of Israel had left Persia and they'd gone to rebuild the temple. And the rebuild had started. And initially it all went well, you see, because there was, were still some stones standing on top of each other. And so if I was a builder, I'd start there. And I'm not a builder, so... But at least when you start on something that's already standing that should be there, you can build on it and you see progress, right? So that's a human thing to do. So they started, great excitement, progress, forming teams. Let's do this, boys and girls. But after a while, when they've done the main things, and when they start on those straight walls, after a while there's just a massive pile of rocks remaining. Now we've got to sort through all this. And if you look at that picture there, that's not a small task. Ask any builder. It's hard, monotonous graft. They're large rocks, and they haven't got cranes. Well, they had kind of, but not like we know them. No power cranes, no hydraulics. No modern lifting machinery. And so, in the second week, this question could have been starting to ask, well, are we ever going to get through this? If I look at that rock, those rocks. And then in the third week, Old Moshekai's pushed out the door to go and work by his wife. Go to work, Moshekai. I don't want to. And then in the fourth week, on the 23rd day of the fourth week, after they'd started the rebuild, when things were starting to wane, people were starting to get despondent, Haggai pitches up. I have a word from the Lord for you. Just when they need it. And it wasn't just an accident that it happened then. Haggai wasn't watching them and saying, I'd better say something now. God brought them a word on the 23rd day, it's very particular, of the fourth week. And then the Bible goes and describes which month and which year. It's not an accident. You see, what else was happening? In the Jewish calendar, there was a festival happening there. In the Jewish calendar, they were busy 
with a feast of tabernacles or the feast of booths or to a Jew, Sokot. And it was a special feast which lasted seven days and then on the eighth day they all got together and heard from the Lord again. So what was this feast all about? Well, it was a feast of booths. And in every house, uh, if you know anything about Jewish houses, they had the living, they had the cooking and everything area downstairs and the sleeping area. But upstairs, they had like an outer area on the roof. And so you could go out there when it was hot, you could sit out there and relax and chill and have your summer lunches or d dinners rather. But up there on the house, these people would put up a little booth, sticks, hay, and then they would hang fruit and things in the top. To remember something. And in the, all the open areas in the villages, they would put up these booths if they didn't have a rooftop area. And they would sit in these booths and be together as families remembering what? Remembering the wilderness years. You see, this was at the end of the harvest. The harvest had come in. It was also called the harvest festival. And they were to remember that in our plenty, God provides for us. In the past, He provided for us, and so it was a looking back to. He gave us water in the desert. And there was a special ceremony where the high priest would get water from the pool of Siloam, and a special ceremony before all the people, he would pour out the water of this water from the pool of Siloam to remember that God gave them water when they needed it in the desert. This feast was there to warn them about self-reliance and selfishness. This feast was there to help them to look back to God's acts in the past and to remember, verse 5, that God was the covenant-keeping God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, who took them through the Red Sea, who made a way for them. And so as you sit in your booths, you have to remember God's greatness. But it wasn't just a present and a past. It was also a looking into the future. That, and you'll see that as we come to chapter 3. That there's a verse there that says, Even though the seeds are still in the barns, we praise God for a successful harvest because He will give it to us. It's looking to the future. So what does God say to them in the specific time on the 23rd day of the fourth week when they're starting to feel the pressure of not wanting to carry on. What does God say to them? And I found this so uplifting this week. Words which can apply to every single one of us here today. Verse 4. The first words from the Lord. Be strong. Work hard. Who were these words spoken to? If you look at the text, they were spoken to Zerubbabel, who was a community leader. They were spoken to Joshua, the high priest. And they were spoken to all the people. So everyone gets these words from the Lord. And what was God's words to them? He says, be strong, work hard. You Israelites working in the temple, dig in, boys. Lift those rocks. Work those hours. Push through the pain barrier. Push through those mental temptations to give up. Be strong. Work hard. This is a massive project with few people and crude tools. Work hard. You see, to change our situations and to persevere through hard times takes what? Hard work and effort and self-motivation. It doesn't come easily. I quoted, a change in direction needs deliberate action. This change won't come by sitting back. 
and waiting for the change through osmosis. It's not going to happen. The Lord says, be strong. The implication is that there's something working in against us which wants us not to succeed. Hard circumstances, financial insecurity, personal sickness. He says, work hard. I'll put it in today's language. Couch surfing and changing the channels is not going to affect change in your life. We need to start and to continue what God has started in our lives when we want to bring change. Exercise, healthier diets, and I'm working on that myself. Please help me when you see me going for those jet planes. If you've been given medical advice, follow the medical advice. It takes perseverance and hard work, self-discipline. And it's good advice. Why? Because God says, work hard and be strong. Must be good. The world offers the same advice for getting through hard times. The world says to you and I, be strong and work hard and everything will turn out right in the end. The world says, dig deep, stand strong, do the hard yards, bros, cousins, kiakaha, team of five million. However, that's where the world's advice ends. You see, the world is nothing more to offer than teamwork, motivational slogans, and self-help recipes. Pull myself up on my own bootstraps philosophy. And many times, that's where you and I are too. In our own efforts at giving 2022 a good start, that's where we end too. We end with be strong, work hard, fizzle. I've been there. You see, there's more here for them. It's not just good slogans. God's word to them continues his prophecy. He has more to offer There's so much greater help available from Almighty God than just your own efforts. And if you're a non-believer here today, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, these things are available to you too if you would bow the knee to Christ first. Otherwise, you end with my first paragraph. It's your own efforts. What what else does the Lord say to them? Verse 4. Look at this. I am with you, declares who? The Lord of the armies, the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a game changer. If I'm busy working hard and trying my best, it's a game changer when I know that the Lord of the armies is with me. Almighty God is with me in my efforts. Who's speaking through this prophet? It's the I am with you. You should recognize those words as good Bible students. I am, who's that? Jehovah himself, Yahweh. The one who is almighty God. The one who was there with Moses at Mount Sinai. And any Jew would hear that, those words and he would know what's being referred to. This was the same God who saved them through the Red Sea. Who brought them out of Egypt. The God who is the all-powerful one. Who directs that power towards his people and for their benefit. And he's not just the almighty God, the Lord of hosts. But he says, I am with you. Wow. Almighty God is with us. And you can't carry on rebuilding this temple without me. The piles of rocks will be overwhelming to you. When you feel you can't gather any more strength to persevere, then I am with you. 
And so be strong. Work hard. I'm helping you. You're not alone. I'm the covenant-keeping God, and my word to you will not fail. Is that encouraging so far? Fantastic. There's more. He says, verse 5, my spirit remains in your midst. Here's the good news. God hasn't left the building. Here's another example we have of God being active through His Spirit in the Old Testament. You see, as people, as people were given tasks to do in the Old Testament, God gave His Spirit so that they could fulfill those tasks. Here is that exact example. As God's people got on with the task God put before them, God's Spirit was there among them to help with their tasks. They weren't alone. They weren't alone with God watching over them as some heavenly supervisor and heavenly taskmaster. God had promised to be in their midst because He was their God. They were His people. And yes, they had no tabernacle now, but they were working on the temple. Whose temple? God's temple. And as the New Testament would later reveal, and we have the benefit of looking at, at the whole of the Bible in hindsight, they themselves also were the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so God was with them. And so as they were starting to feel this fatigue or hopelessness, now these words aren't written down, but I'm sure Moshekai, my friend, who's struggling with the work, would hear, you can do this, Moshekai. Stand strong. Just another hour and then you can rest. Petros, get on with the work. The Holy Spirit helping me. What's changed today? You see, God still promises His children that His Spirit is their constant companion and advisor, doesn't He? John chapter 14 verse 26 says that. And things may look bleak, but His Spirit remains in our midst. We might have to meet in two locations for another extended time, but His Spirit is in our midst. We may have to go into home isolation when Omicron hits good old Wonga Vegas. But His Spirit remains in our midst. The future may be uncertain. And it may feel like this is never going to be over. And life back to normal. But the Spirit is in our midst. God's Spirit, His Helper, is with us. And when we don't know what to utter in our prayers, and they might be prayers of exasperation or uncertainty, his Spirit is with us. He takes those words. He puts them before the Father. He makes them perfect prayers. And God answers those prayers. What is it that you're bringing before the Lord? What is it that you're feeling frustrated by? I've got a list. And I know the Lord knows my heart. He knows that I am a plain, simple human being who's weak. And I can bring those prayers before Him. And His Spirit takes them and makes them Real before the Father. And the Lord answers me. Praise the Lord. That's not all. There's more. Verse 5. The Lord says to His people who are starting to stumble under the load, Fear not. Now, this is the one I love the most. Fear not. You see, when uncertainty looms large, the Lord says, Don't give in to fear. It's a command. Do not fear. Here's the problem, you see. When we fear, fear influences the way we think. 
Fear influences our decision-making. Fear influences our emotional lives, and it starts to affect every single aspect of our lives. You start living under fear. You can't think straight anymore. And if you let it, it will take over. And this phrase, fear not, is not just a good old mantra that we can just say and then we feel better. It's not a magic word. This is a command. This command is based on the reality of who God is in our situation. And Almighty God commands you and I, fear not. I will underwrite it, says the Lord. You don't have to fear. I am behind things. You see, when you allow fear to grow in your life, it soon becomes bigger and bigger, and God starts going smaller and smaller in your mind. But in reality, He's the unchanging God. We heard that last week from Philippians. And He says to us, trust me. I am with you. My spirit remains with you. I've got this situation in my hands. This situation is under my control. I'm not passive. I'm an active God. And He reminds, it reminds us of the calming of the, of the seas when Jesus spoke to His disciples. That's where we hear this phrase again, fear not. What did Jesus say to His disciples when they were sitting in the boat, and there came this apparition walking on the water, and they thought it was a ghost, but it was Jesus Christ. What did he say to them when they were about to jump overboard? He said, take heart. It is I. Have no fear. Wow, there's a sermon. The personal presence of the Lord does what? It gives courage, determination, and conviction that he will not permit his cause to fail. And His cause is at work in your life and in mine and in this church. He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? He will make sure it happens. And in your life, whatever is happening in your life, and I'm not in your shoes, you are. His cause will prevail. He will make you like His Son and He will have you with Him in the end. He will not fail. So don't give up. Fear not, says the Lord. Don't give in to all these things coming in on you. And then there's more. Verse 6, I told you, there's lots here. Just more and more. The gift that doesn't stop giving. Here it is. He says, verse 6, I will shake. I'm going to read that verse. Listen to this. For thus says the Lord of the armies, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations. Now, this language being used here is very typical theophany language. When God appeared somewhere, something happened, usually major. So at Sinai, what happened at Sinai? The mountains shook, there were earthquakes, there were big thunderstorms, lightning. The people could hear it, see it, smell it, and feel it. God is here. That's what he's saying. I am Almighty God, I will shake this place once again. I will appear among you. Verse, uh, Psalm 68 verse 8 tells us what happened at Sinai. The earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. I like that old mountain. The God of Israel was there. You see, when God acts in a situation, 
There are some times when you know this has been a miracle. God has worked. Without a doubt, you know. And then at other times, it's not quite as dramatic. Things will kind of go and everything just slips into place beautifully. And even though things shouldn't be putting into place like that, it should be all over the place, it works through and it works out. And when you look back on that situation, and that's what I found so encouraging, you look back on those situations, you see divine fingerprints, God's hands all over. But note the future tense here, verse, three, verse 6. He says, yet once more in a little while I will shake. You see here these Israelites were placing lifeless blocks of stone together into a structure. But God promises them, I will return to this temple which you have re rebuilt. And then, as we look back with hindsight now on the whole of Scripture and on the verses that Scripture quotes from this passage, we see to you too, that there's a bigger and a future story. One day in that very place in Jerusalem, the earth and the heavens were shaken when what happened? When the Messiah died. The earth shook. God's presence. What was he doing on that cross? He was making a way for God to be present in the lives of his temple. He was making a way for God to be present in the life of a lifeless temple system. God was there. And then, when Jesus Christ rose again, Matthew 28, 2 says, there was an earthquake. The story doesn't end there. You see, Scripture says that when Christ reappears, He will once again shake the heavens and the earth, and all nations will be shaken. And that's where you and I are drawn into this prophecy. He is to come. He will reappear. And when He reappears, every eye on earth will see and know this is the Lord of the armies. All nations will be shaken. Whether they believe in God or not, whether they're atheists or not, whether they're from a different religion or not, every eye will see that He has arrived, the Lord of the armies. And He will shake the place. And then the last, uh, second last one, verse 7, He says, I will fill. And here He's speaking about riches, silver and gold. He says, once you've rebuilt this temple, then I'm going to supply the silver and gold, and you're going to refurbish this temple, and it's going to be more splendorous than what it was before. And that's exactly what happened historically. If you go and read um, Ezra, and we go, I'm going to just share that with you quickly. Ezra chapter 6, verse 8 to 12. Listen to what happened in history, how God supplied the needs of that temple in that period. Ezra chapter 6, verse 8 to 12. This is Darius speaking, the Persian king who's an enemy of Israel, who's taken them into captivity and let them go back under his permission to work on the temple. It's him speaking, making a decree. Moreover, says Darius, I make a decree regarding what you shall do for these elders of the Jews for the rebuilding of this house of God. The cost, listen to this, the cost is to be paid 
to these men in full and without delay from where? From the royal revenue, the Persian revenue, the tribute of the province from beyond the river. And so not just from the royal treasury, but from the province in the area of the temple, they are going to be paying as well. And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, or sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil, as the priests of Jerusalem require, let that be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer pleasing sacrifices, look at these words, to the God of heaven. This is a foreigner speaking. And pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, you do not want to cross the king. A beam shall be pulled out of his house, and he shall be impaled on it, and his house shall be made a dunghill. May the God who has caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put out a hand to alter this or to destroy this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree. Let it be done with all diligence. Man, I wouldn't have seen that coming. God miraculously supplied the needs of his people because he said, I will fill the temple. There's a future being spoken of here. We've spoken about Christ reappearing. Revelation 21 speaks about a time when we see this picture of Christ with his church and what fills the new Jerusalem. All riches, all wisdom. It's called the glory of God. His glory fills the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21. And to quote this verse, Latter, the latter glory of the house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And lastly, but definitely not least, he says in verse 9, and this is the one that has relevance for you and I too, if we trust God in this situation. In this place, I will give peace. You see, what's the result of trusting God? Peace would be restored between God and His people Israel. And a result of the obedience to him. And he would once again dwell with his people. And where the Lord dwells there is peace. John chapter 14 verse 27. These are the words of Jesus he said before he left his disciples and went back to heaven. These are his words. Listen to them. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. It couldn't be clearer. What is the Lord saying to us as Wanganui East Baptist Church and anyone who's here with us this morning? What is the Lord saying? My peace I give you, but do not fear. You see, the peace spoken of here is not just the absence of fear. The peace spoken of here. Is an act of peace and it's placed in us deliberately by Almighty God and His Spirit. And it will probably be in the midst of an ongoing situation. Right in the middle of that situation, God gives us peace. So much peace that we can rejoice in the Lord and be glad. And then what happens? More peace is given to us. Philippians from last week. 
So what is the Lord saying to you and I in Wanganui East in 2022? Here's my so what's, and you've heard this before, I promise you. He said, though we're having separate church services, though Omnicron might come rapidly and come into our homes and make us get separated for days again, though there's uncertainty with this rising interest rates and political instability in Ukraine and oh, there's so many things, New Year's resolutions, personal challenges, all right. What does the Lord say to us? Here it is. There it is. Just like JB. There it is. <laughs> Be strong. Work hard. I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. I will shake the place where I am. I will fill and supply your needs in this place. I will give peace. I'm not going to add anything to that. That's God's word to us, to me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words of hope when sometimes we feel that we just can't carry on. We just want to carry on as usual. Lord, help us through all the challenges that this year may have for us. To remember that we are not alone. That almighty God, the God of the armies, and your spirit, you are with us. And Jesus, you've made all this possible. Because as we come to you in our everyday lives, and as we come and we pray, and as we come and we read your word, and as we come and we want to strengthen our relationship with you, Lord Jesus, the Trinity is right there amidst, in the midst of us. And you are with us. We are never alone. We can get through anything that may come this year. Be it death itself, you are with us. And Lord, we do look forward to that day when you will reappear and there will be no more Omicron. There will be no more all of these other things happening. But you've promised that where there are tears, you will dry them away. Where there's crying, there will be no more crying. You will bring your peace. And so we look forward to that day. The best is yet to come. Help us to not take our eyes off our future hope in our everyday troubles. We give you praise, Lord. Amen.